Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. Evangelist McGee. She's the pastor of Ebenezer AME Church in Aiken, South Carolina. Precious Lord, as we come before you, we just want to bless you, Lord. Magnify your name. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Our God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our daily keeper, the lover of our souls, you, Lord Jesus and our soon-coming King. We ask you to bless us tonight, Lord Jesus, through your word. Your word, Lord Jesus. Let us, Lord Jesus, our hungry souls, be fed from you, manna from heaven. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I'll ask with, that you will turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And as I've often heard preachers say, to a familiar portion of scripture. But all the word of God is a good word. And all the word of God is solid word. And Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And that's what we want to believe tonight, that the word of God is spirit and life. And if you read with me, we'll read through verses 1 through 18, and then we'll go back and see what the Lord has for us in those verses. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, of lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. And an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made well of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been thus now a long time, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made well? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, and took up his bed, and walked, and the same day was the Sabbath. 
The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it's the Sabbath day, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he that made me well the same told me, take up thy bed and walk. They asked him, what man is that who said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he said that he was healed, he that he said that was healed, knew not who he was, for Jesus had moved away, and a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said that he also, that he was God, that God was his father, making himself equal with God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. And I continued that reading through verses 17 and 18 because Jesus said of himself, rebuking those Pharisees, he said, my father worketh, hitherto I work. Therefore the Jews sought to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, according to them, but said also that God was his father making himself equal with God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God manifested in the flesh, God Almighty, and our soon coming King. In this portion of scripture, the Apostle John reveals to us an account of the Lord's healing, a second miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ, in his early public ministry. His first was at the wedding of Cana in Galilee in chapter 2. And the second healing of the nobleman was a nobleman's son in chapter 4. At the end of John's gospel, chapter 21, verse 25, he writes, There are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they should be written every single one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that were written in it. Amen. Now that's something. What we have in the word of God, all the works that Jesus did in the flesh, just a small portion of what he could have done and did do, but we have enough on record for us to believe and to be saved. If we only had this one account, it's enough for us to be saved and to believe. The word of God is power and the word of God is real. And I ask you tonight, saints of God, as you sit and listen to the word, not me, but the word of God, believe in your heart that Jesus is speaking to you. And whatever you're waiting on tonight is yours tonight. Not tomorrow, not in a week, not in a year, but tonight. The Lord said in the Old Testament, God Almighty said not one word 
that was spoken to Israel out of all the good words that he spoke, not one single word failed. He told Joshua, as I was with Moses, don't you know I'm going to be with you? He says to us, don't you know that when I was with your grandmother, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, I'm going to be with you. As I was with those in the word that I'm speaking to you now, I'm with you. God is real and above all things, he is real to us today. Hallelujah. He wants us to know that he's real saints of God. Not just a word on a page. Not just a God that we call on here and there when we're in trouble. But he's an all right, all time God. A God who's a very present help in a time of trouble. Hallelujah. We're always in trouble. We're always in a time of trouble. And he's always present. Just a word before we look into the text from my mother. She said, I'm praying for them tonight. She said, I'm praying that somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. Now, here's a mother of 106 years old. Hallelujah. And her prayer tonight, she said, I'm praying that you're going to, somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah. She said, tell them that the word is real. She said, and this she says all the time, and she tells the saints, even at Ebenezer, she says right now she can't get out to church like she'd like to. But she said, tell the people, go to church as much as you can. Because one day it will come a day when you hunger to go to church and you just can't get there. Hallelujah, today is a day that you pressed your way out. But you tell others who are not able to come or don't want to come, come anyhow because there'll be a day you want to come and you won't be able to come. We hear Elder Tatega in a foreign country loving the Lord, praising the Lord. People loving the Lord. He came here to Aiken and came to little Ebenezer and preached his heart out at Ebenezer. He calls us a sister church, Togo, West Africa, and an Ebenezer in on Gregory Road. Now I tell you, sometimes folk will come there high in position. Don't even glance at us because we don't look like too much there on a Gregory Road. Hallelujah, but God is not finished with us. God has a work for us in that little corner over there. Now, what's wonderful about God, he never worked with big things. He always used a little impossible things. Why? Because he'd get the glory. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. You know how we are. If we do a thing, what do we say? Oh, 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 look what I did. But the Lord said, I won't give my glory to another. He's a holy God, a mighty God. And he visits us out of his love and his mercy and his grace for us. And isn't that wonderful? That almighty God took on flesh and came to dwell among us. Those who rejected him to dwell among us and do what? Save his people from their sins. And what does that mean? That one day he would mount Calvary's hill, surrender his life for the ones that said, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Now that's a great and mighty God, isn't it? Hallelujah.
to love us in spite of ourselves. Hallelujah. When we are lovable, when we aren't lovable, when we're in good spirits, when we're out of good spirits, he's still God all by himself. And he's going to love us into eternity if we allow him to do so. Mother McGee says, somebody here wants the Holy Ghost tonight, and the Holy Ghost is yours tonight. Even if you have the Holy Ghost, blessing is here for you tonight. Why? Because Jesus is here, and he's called us all together. And when God calls us, he doesn't call us for naught. He doesn't call us to play and to chat. He calls us for a purpose. And his purpose is that his people might be encouraged and strengthened. And in these days of great weights in our nation and in the world, he wants us to take courage and to say, stand up anyhow. Stand because somebody is looking at you. And if you can stand in spite of all that you see, they can say, maybe this thing works. Maybe that Savior is real. A world is looking at us, saints of God. A world that's a doubtful world. More vicious today than ever before. But we have to stand because we belong to the master. And the master's name is written on our forehead. And when we walk and stand for Jesus, hallelujah, we can walk through the fires and the floods and everything else that goes along with it because Jesus said, I'll walk with you. Bless the name of Jesus. The word... The word from Mother McGee, the word. She said, go to church, hear the word, receive the Holy Ghost, and don't look back. Those are her words tonight. Don't look back. Well, as we look at the word in this portion of scripture, in this gospel of John chapter 5, the word of God is, we have this, we find the Lord in the midst of, of a multitude of people, a large number of people. Verse 3 says that all these folk lay around, impotent folk, powerless folk, needy folk, folk who couldn't help themselves, and they were all laying around this whole multitude of people waiting for something. And that's the question tonight. What are you waiting for tonight? But all these folk, a multitude of people laying around, and they were helpless and powerless, and they were uh, murmuring and groaning in their conditions, and Jesus is walking right in the middle of them all. Some were lame, some were blind, Others paralyzed, unable to walk at all. Folk who doctors had given up on. But they all wanted a healing. They all wanted a touch from someone. They were waiting for something. And not only were these folk in their collective infirmities, the lame, the halt, the diseased, but they also had another thing in common, that they were waiting for something. They all had a hopeless and helpless condition, but yet they were waiting for something. They were all waiting for healing, waiting for their change, waiting for something or someone to deliver them from their disease and their sickness. They were all waiting by what John says was a sheep gate. 
And that sheep gate, by that sheep gate was a pool called Bethesda Pool. And Bethesda means house of grace. And the sheep gate was there, the pool was there, the house of of grace was there, and they were all waiting for this miracle, this multitude of folk. Large number of folk couldn't do anything for themselves. And it was thought at that time that in those days, during the season of this feast at the temple, that an angel would descend from heaven and go down into the pool and stir up or trouble the waters, and whoever got in the pool first, the waters would be stirred and they would be healed. In this great multitude of helpless folk waiting for deliverance, our Lord focused his attention on one man lying and waiting. Isn't that just like Jesus? Out of a whole multitude of folk, he could have spoken the word and healed them all at one time, but one man needed his touch. One man needed his gaze. One man needed Jesus. And that one man got all of God's attention in Christ Jesus. One man lying there that says a multitude of folk. Everybody had a condition. But one man, hallelujah, got Jesus' attention. And Jesus fixed his eyes on that man, hallelujah. And he didn't know what was in store for him. John records that this man had been afflicted for 38 years. Look at verse 6. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been in that condition for a long time, he asked him a question. And what's so wonderful about that is that Jesus knew him. Later on, the Jews are going to say, well, who healed you? He said, I don't know. Someone healed me, but Jesus knew this man and knew that he'd been lying in that condition, not at the pool, but in that condition for 38 long years. I think of the book of Exodus when the people of Israel were in trouble under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, not thinking that deliverance would be be a, a part of their lives at all. The Lord spoke to Moses, and what did, he tell, what did he tell Moses? Tell the people, I've seen, I've heard, I know your condition, and I'm come to deliver. And that's just what the Lord was saying, in essence, to this man. I've seen you, I know you, I know your condition, and I've come to deliver you. He saw the man lying there in his hopeless and helpless state, and he asked the man, will you be made Well, isn't it interesting? It's so rich how John places the sheep gate and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, right there in the midst. Sheep gate and the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Sheep gate and the one that said, I'm the great good shepherd, I give my life for the sheep. John places that man there at the sheep gate with the Lamb of God walking right there in the midst. The man, the impotent man, the powerless man, the helpless man was waiting for healing. 38 years, year after year, this man was hoping for a miracle when the miracle worker was right there 
in his midst. The miracle of miracles was walking right there. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the grace of God right there in his midst. Then our Lord, when he asked him that very simple question, but a most important question, he said, will you be made whole? In other words, he asked him, do you want to be healed, completely healed, fully healed, deeply healed, eternally healed? Do you want that kind of healing? Now look closely. You would expect that that man bound for 38 years in that condition would say without hesitation, yes, of course I want to be healed. Heal me now. But this is, his response was not unlike ours. He began to make excuses. He began to blame other people for his condition. He said, I have no man to help me into the pool. Well, the Lord didn't ask him that. He said, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well, whole, full? And he said, didn't say yes yet. He said, I have no man to put me in the pool. Not only that, a person at the precise time, at the stirring of the waters, there's nobody to help me in the pool. Now understand, this is not like our present day swimming pool where you'd roll right over into the edge and roll right over into the water. I've seen the pool that they call the Bethesda pool and it has steep, steep steps where you go down. And there are ledges along the deep steps that you go down. So it's going to take some effort for somebody to go down in those waters to whatever level that they would rise with the stirring of the water. So the man is on the one hand is saying, I don't have anybody to put me in at the precise moment. But look at this. In verse 7, the impotent man says, though, I have, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. So you think when you start out in this account that the man might be paralyzed like the one who had to have his friends take him and break up the tiles on the roof and lower him down to Jesus. He could not walk. But in some way this man could have made some kind of effort to get in that pool if he thought first in, I'm healed, I'm going to be the first in. But no, he desired to stay there 38 years in that condition that is until Jesus passed by. And ask him that important question. Do you want to be made whole? Well, his excuses, again, not unlike our excuses. I have no man. Now understand, this is not like our present day pool, but listen to this. We had the same kind of excuses too. Although it would have taken some effort for him to just move a bit down those stairs if it were true that there was a troubling of the water. But he says with his excuses, while I'm coming down, somebody gets in front of me. They get healed, and I remain in my same powerless condition year after year. Woe is me. Excuses. And we've heard them before, even from ourselves. I know I have enough a bag of excuses of my own. I didn't grow up with my father in my life. I didn't grow up poor. 
I grew up poor. I didn't have a good education. I didn't get a job. They don't like me. They're prejudiced. I never had a chance. Everyone else gets there before me and leaves me behind. I never had enough time and so on and so on. Every excuse we can come up with and you, we know that we have them. Jesus simply asked the man, do you want to get out of your condition? And the man still has not said yes. Excuse after excuse. I read a thought yesterday that said, when opportunity comes knocking at our front door, some of us are at the back door looking for four-leaf clovers in the backyard. And that's true. We're always back here looking for something else, a chance or something that might pass by when the Lord is knocking right at your door and says, do you want to be healed? What are you waiting on? It's only the divine healer who can say, to cut through all those excuses. And he hit right at the heart of the matter. He said, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. In other words, man, what are you waiting for? Get up. It's time to get up and make a change. What are you waiting on? Get up off your excuses and walk. Move. Get busy. Pick up your bed of affliction for these past 38 years and simply walk on. I'm the Lord, thy God, that healeth you. You don't have to wait any longer. And as I'm saying this, I don't know who in the congregation is hungering for the Lord. You don't have to wait for an altar call for someone to anoint you and to pray for you again. If there's a hunger in your heart for the Holy Ghost, you right now, while the word is going forth, raise your hands and begin to praise the Lord. The Holy Ghost will fall on you right in your seat. Elder Haynes said, do you believe? And if you half believe, say in your heart, Lord, help my unbelief, and he'll fill in the other half. Because he wants us to be empowered and strengthened and filled with his spirit that we can go forth and proclaim who he is. And saints of God, in a day like today, we need power beyond power. We need power to stand, power to walk, power to talk. We need power to stand as believers in Christ Jesus. We can't do it on our own strength. It has to be the power of the Lord that overrides all of our emotions. We're high on Sunday from service, wake up on Monday. Oh, my, I don't want to get out of bed and go to work. Emotions come and go, they ebb and flow. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he never plays on emotions. He plays on the truth of his word and what he can do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The divine healer. He said, man, what are you waking on? Waiting on, get up, take your bed up, get your change, move on your way, away with all of your excuses. Don't wait any longer. And the Lord said, you certainly don't need an angel. The angel of God himself has come to heal you. Get up and walk. And with those words full of divine power, 
the power into this heart. And the scripture says he was healed immediately. He was made whole within and without. He took up his pallet, saints. He rolled it up, put it under his arm, and he walked away, never to return to that place again. And that's what the Lord wants from us. He wants to save us, never to return again, never to go back again. Yes, we will stumble. We will fall. We will sin. But John says, confess and forsake, and he's faithful to cleanse. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But what God does in saving us and filling us with the Holy Ghost, saints, is that he gives us power no longer to live in sin. You see, that's the difference. 38 years, he's living in a condition. He's lying in a condition. Rolling around in a condition. Making excuses for his condition. But he only had to say, Lord, save me, heal me. And he the power of God comes to save and deliver and to keep and empower you. All things passed away. Not some things, but all things. All those old things are passed away. Well, you might say, well, I still have some troubling things in my life. Count it, done, all things passed away. All things, everything becomes new in Christ Jesus. He knows our frame. He knew this man. He knew all about him. He didn't come with a, a, a heavy arm and said, you, uh, get up out of this, get up off you. you. He just said, get up and ri rise up and walk, walk on your way. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The divine power, when it entered in that man, he was healed immediately. He was made whole within and without. He took up his pallet, rolled it up, walked away, never to return again. The long, painful wait was over. He left all those powerless folk. Now listen to this. He left behind all that multitude of hopeless, powerless, lame, blind folk behind. We don't know if the Lord went back and healed any more from that pool. But one soul he was searching for, and he found that soul and pulled him out of all of those weak and lame and hopeless and helpless people. This man, his wait was over. He left all those folk, those folks still waiting for something to happen. That man caught a hold of the power of Jesus and he broke free. He was loose from his chain of bondage. And you might wonder, well, what does it really mean to break free? What is this bondage? Well, saints of God, that's what Jesus does. But you have to want him and you want to have to follow him and you want to have to want all that he has for you. But you also have to do what? Turn your back on all that multitude of folk that hold you down, that wear you down, that also that stroke you and say, oh, woe is you, poor you, poor you. No, Jesus breaks through that and he says, you're no longer poor or lame or helpless. Get up. My power is in you. Get up and walk. So often we think and we want to come to Jesus 
And we sit and we hear the word. We hear God speaking to us every time there's a Bible study or Sunday school or worship. You hear the voice of the Lord. And he's saying, come out from among them. Step out by faith from among them. And we look to the left and we look to the right and we wonder what are they going to say and what are they going to think. And we lay there still again. Sit another year, another year, another year. At some point, we have to say enough is enough. I want Jesus. And when you want Jesus, hallelujah, you'll run for your life. He'll give you the strength to lay it down and run for your life, and you never look back. They even tell you a, a, a building is burning. Leave everything behind. Don't go in for your purse. Don't go in for your IDs. Don't go in for anything. Run for your life. When Jesus set you free, run for your life. He'll take care of all the residuals. There's certain things that we do in our life. We can't repair those things. Words we've said, deeds we've done. When we get saved, we try and go back and, and, and make amends with those we've offended in whatever way because that's just what the Holy Ghost does. We'll go and ask forgiveness for all those who we have wronged in our life before we're saved. But the things we've forgotten, things we've said, we don't know what they are. We have to leave them in the bosom of heaven and let the power of Almighty God soothe those wounds that have been laid by us. You don't worry about all that. That's another excuse to lay down again and say, oh, me, woe is me. Get up. Roll up that mat. Get up and walk. Run for your life. And don't look back. Don't turn back. Now, when I finish, verse 14 says, afterwards, the Lord Jesus findeth him in the temple. And he said, behold, thou art made well. Now, look at this. What does he say? Sin no more. Sin no more. Now we can assume that the man is in the temple praying and praising and worshiping God for his healing. And a lot of folk get healed. They're blessed by the Lord like those nine lepers. They get healed, but they never make it back to say, thank you, Jesus. They go on in the healing. The Lord says, God bless you. Go in the strength, in the strength of your healing. But this man, he finds him in the temple, and we want to say that he's praising and worshiping God. But the Lord told, tells him, you're made well, you're made whole, you're complete, you are new. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, you see, saints of God, it wasn't the man's lameness or inability or his physical issue that was the problem. The underlying cause of the man's affliction was what? Sin. <clears throat> Sin was the underlying cause of his affliction. He just would not let it go. And some people will say they have all those excuses, but they enjoy sin. Right. And until you get tired of sin... You're going to enjoy it, although it's a deception of the enemy. You don't enjoy it. Got the hangover the next day, uh, dashed emotions after that. It just, it, a world of sin is not where God intended us to be from the beginning. 
But that's where we are until Jesus saves us out of that cesspool of sin. But as long as you enjoy it, you don't need Jesus. But it's when you say enough is enough, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I played the fool of Satan long enough. I'm out of here. God, if you're real, if you're real, if your word is real, right now, save me. Come in and enter in. Save me from my sin. Now, you may not see, hear a burst of thunder, but you'll know in your heart that the Lord is working in your heart. And wherever you are in the midst of sin, he'll find you and save you. The woman caught in adultery was caught in it. But Jesus said, I don't condemn you. But he told her, go sin no more. The woman with the issue of blood 12 years has spent everything. When she knew that Jesus was coming by, it says that she went into that press and she said, if I can just touch him, I know I'll be made well. This man, the Lord says, do you want to be made whole? And he starts, mm, well, maybe, mm, let me think about it. She got in the press, and she knew what she wanted. And she pressed her way to Jesus, and she got just what she wanted. Others are healed, and the Lord says, go, and your faith has made you well. But others, like this man, will say, go and sin no more. However the Lord delivers you, he's saying, don't go back. Don't turn back, because a worse thing will happen unto you. That underlying cause of the man was sin, and the Lord warned him, don't go back, because a worse thing is going to happen to you. But when, G, when that man met Jesus face to face and obeyed his word, all things become new. He got up and he moved. He was a new man. Jesus said, get up, your weight is over. He got up and he was set free. For the word says, whom the Son sets free, he's what? Free indeed. Meaning fully free, not partially free, not a little bit free, but fully free. You can run on in the joy of the Lord your God. Stop waiting for temporary fixes. Soon as I get this together, soon as I get that together, Soon as I finish this, then I'll turn to the Lord. So I, one thing I know, uh, I'm always hearing it at my uh, so often, not just young people, but folk will say, um, without shame, um, uh, my friend. That's how they introduce people, so you already know what the, you know, here, this is my friend. And you say, well, amen. God bless you. Hello, friend. And I'm always right away, well, if there's such a friend, when is the date set? Now, somebody sitting here can attest because we had someone to say, this is my friend. And I immediately said, never met the lady before in my life. I said, when's the date set? Well, there's uh, okay. litany of excuses. When I get a better job, when I get a house, when I get my car paid off, when I get my mortgage paid off, when I get the ring. And it, it amazes me how these men who don't have jobs, don't have cars, have very little promise, want to give the lady, delay the lady, and give them the biggest diamond ring you've ever seen. So I said, well, by the time you get a diamond ring that big, the lady's going to be gone on somewhere or in her grave somewhere. 
And I'll always say, women, you can, you can agree with me. Give me a ring out of a Cracker Jack box and give me the uh, a certificate of marriage and that's all I want. I mean, that's, is that the truth? When you get to be so big and high, when you get that big, big job, when you get all that money, then you can buy me the biggest diamond. I won't refuse it. But for the meantime, I don't need that. Put a rubber band on my finger with the certificate and I'll be satisfied. Is that your truth? But we got excuses all the time and it's sin. God says it's sin. And we'll never be blessed as long as we live in that condition. But I'm not going to wear the men out because it's not just the men. If the women didn't allow it, you wouldn't get your foot in the door. And what amazes me, I'm sorry, saints. What amazes me is that you got young women, got two and three jobs, and they're on the job, and they got the fellow riding around in their car that they're paying the gas for and the insurance on and anything else that happens. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, a man like that ought to be taking a stick to him and beat him out the house. Come on. When did we turn the world upside down? We got the women working like horses while the men lay on the, on the bed in the house. 38 years. And Jesus said it wasn't the physical condition. You could have walked. You at least tried to hobble up to the edge of that pool. You could have maybe crawled down in the pool at some point. Somebody would have given you an arm if you crawled down. But he said, no, I want somebody at the precise time to pick me up and put me down in there and let me go first. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. You got to put a little effort to it, too. If I could do it, you could do it. The world is looking at Ebenezer. The world is looking at New Life Ministries. They see you going in and they see you coming out. We read Psalm 121. He'll preserve you going, you're going out and you're coming in. He's going to cover you. He's your keeper. But somebody is watching you and they're seeing you and they want to know that you're really living what you believe and what you say. Too many people in the church are saying one thing and walking in the other. And how can people follow you if you're following some other road but calling it the road to salvation? No such thing at all. No such thing at all. We have to, uh, we, we have to pull ourselves back because it's so easy to get off track and trying to follow this, that, and the other. But you have to say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and I know them. And that's all we need to know. Jesus knew that man. He knows you. He knows me, and as long as we're in that tight fellowship, we know, as Elder Haynes says, we have an assurance of salvation. Jesus, the blessed Savior, come to seek and to save that which is lost. I always tell the story about my aunt who said that she's, uh, she's in heaven now. She said, when I, she used to do scratch-offs. I always went in scratch-offs, too. She's the sweetest person, like my mother, sweet. They look like twins. But she always loved the scratch-offs and would win. $200, $500. I mean, winning significant things with a scratch-off. 
almost make you want to try her scratch off the way that she used to win all the time. Never lost, but always winning. But she said, bless the Lord, Aunt Gwen, I bless you, Lord. Bless her memory. She said, when I win the lottery, she said, I'm not, I've determined, I'm not going to give everybody any money, but what I am going to do, I'm going to tell everybody in the family, bring all your bills to me. Mortgage payment, car payment, student loan, whatever you have out there, all, whatever debt it is, bring it to me, and with my lottery money, I will pay off all your bills. I thought that was a great idea. I would never have thought that. I was giving people money. You know, but money can corrupt you. Right. Money can be your downfall. Right. But what she said is what's better to do is to pay off all your debts. Don't worry about how many. If you have 10, like the talent, you got 100, you got 1,000. Doesn't matter. I got enough money to cover it all. Bring them all to me, and I will pay them off. A good idea. The only problem is she never won. And now she's in heaven, and we still have our debts. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus paid it all. He said, bring all of your sin debt. Bring them all. You got 10, you got 1,000, you got 100, whatever it is. Bring your sack of troubles. Bring your sack of sin. Bring your sack of woes. Bring it to me and throw it at the foot of Calvary. Hallelujah. Bring it all without shame. Confess them. Tell the Lord. He isn't squeamish. He knows you anyhow. He knows you in the midst and the depths of sin. But he says, my hand is on you because I know you. And I know there's something grand in you that I want to do. Come on out from among them. He paid the price for a debt that we owed that we would never be able to pay, winning all the lotteries in the world. His debt on Calvary, when he said, it is finished, didn't mean woe is me, I'm defeated. He said, what I've come to do, the Son of God, God Almighty, I've completed it. Nothing to be added, nothing to be taken away, for all of eternity, that cross remains the symbol where a sinner comes and says, enough is enough, and I want Jesus and Jesus alone. And when we come to that place and we bow our hearts before God and we say, Lord, save me. Hallelujah. He says, get up like that man. Roll up your bed of sin. Get on your way walking and declare that I am God. That man of the 38 years went back to those Jews, and he said, remember he called him, sir? He came, went back to him, he says, I know who it was, Jesus. Jesus healed me. And that's what we want to know for surety. Jesus is the one, the only one who saved me and is keeping me and who will receive me when he calls his church home. Let's pray. Blessed Savior, Almighty God, our precious Lord, hallelujah, God of all eternity, creator of heaven and earth, oh, hallelujah, the one who 
was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The one who, like Israel, we hid our faces from you. And we said in our own mocking mind, he deserves everything he's getting because he says he's God. Oh, but Savior, he never fussed, he never yelled. You just died a death that you came to die. You told the disciples early on, no man takes my life. I willingly lay it down, and I willingly will take it up again. And Lord Jesus, based on the truth of your word, that you are the living Lord, eternal God, our high priest in heaven, the only holy and acceptable sacrifice for sin, we thank you, Lord. We praise your mighty name, and we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you will enter in our hearts by your power, Lord Jesus. Help us not to wait any longer, Lord Jesus, for whatever the, 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 the desires are on the hearts of your people seated here tonight. You know them, Lord Jesus. And while you're speaking to them right now, Lord Jesus, let them know they don't have to wait any longer. The answer to their desire, their hunger, their soul's hunger, is right here. We thank you, Lord, for your precious people. And we ask you, Lord, that we will be the people to stand and glorify you in the day that we're living in. Give us Holy Ghost boldness to stand for you in spite of the mocking crowds. Let us stand and say humbly, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior and the soon coming King. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Father. I gotta give you thanks because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at it now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I gotta give you praise because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive and with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise.